Why a push the button? I always like to tell my guests that if you uh, say something you wish you hadn't, just tell me and I can go back and edit that out. I normally don't do a lot of editing. No, I pushed a button. No, you pushed a button. I pushed a button. You know edit the podcast. I edit the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Leslie Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me on Bruce Eve, this is Justin's Bruce Eve. As we're recording this, it is March 28th, and he is going to see Bruce tomorrow. Um, I should know this, I should know the tour itinerary by heart, but I don't. Where are you seeing him at tomorrow, Justin? I go to Detroit tomorrow. Nice. Um, yeah, it'll be the furthest we've gone for him. You know, we usually go to Cleveland or Pittsburgh. Um, but uh, this time I got verified for we tried Columbus, we tried, uh, you know, and, and so Detroit was the one we got. And so um, I didn't want to take the risk uh, that I wouldn't get tickets for Cleveland next week. So we just said, let's see what we can what we can get. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people uh, maybe weren't as lucky, but we paid face value and they're not good seats. But I'm happy to be in the room. You know. <laughs> You are a man after my own heart. We won't go into that this time. I've been on my rants about uh <laughs> people saying that they've got to pay for a mortgage. And uh yes, yeah, sometimes if you want a pit ticket, yes, it is, you know, supply and demand, right? Right, right. Uh so tell us a little about yourself, Justin. Well, I am uh I'm just about to turn forty years old. I've been a lifelong Springsteen fan. I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. I work in uh, in local news here, and I've been doing that for about 14 years. I've got uh, four kids ranging in age from 21 on down to seven of them. The oldest will be going to his, I believe, fourth Bruce show with us tomorrow. And then my 13-year-old daughter and my 7-year-old daughter will be there tomorrow with us for their first ones. And then my uh, almost 18-year-old daughter is going to come to Pittsburgh in September for her first show. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's been go. I mean, look, I knew all the words to Thunder Road when I was three years old. So this is this runs very, very deep. This is a, you know, the, there's family members that I third don't know. Third generation? Is. Third generation? I guess Springsteen fan? Yeah, yeah. My parents, well, yeah, they, they're third generation. I'd be second generation. My parents were big fans. Right. Um, so parents, you, and then the kids would be the third, right? Right, right. right. And so yeah. my father's been, been gone a lot of years now. Um, he died in 2006, but my mother, you know, she'll be there tomorrow with us and, uh, she'll come in, in, uh, September to Pittsburgh also. Um, it's funny actually, you know, so there's six of us going tomorrow. And we bought, you know, there's a four ticket limit. So there's yeah. four t- and then two tickets about two sections over. And so we got to figure out who's sitting together. And the understanding is, all right, well, like my oldest and my mother can sit together for much of the show. But during 
Badlands is probably when Thunder Road is next, and that's when we have to switch because I do Thunder Road with my mother. Always. <laughs> I love this. All right. I, I'm going to ask a lot more questions about that, but I always like to start at the beginning. So you've answered that partly, but where did you grow up and what kind of music did your family listen to when you were growing up? Yeah. So, um, in my, in my house growing up, I mean, it really was, you know, what I, my memories are almost wall to wall, Bruce. You know, I, I mean, I guess my, uh, my, my parents listened to other stuff, but not, uh, yeah, I don't remember, you know, record collections with a ton of other things. I, you know, like my first records when I was a kid, I had inherited from my mother and there were a couple others. There was Jackson Brown running on empty and there was uh meatloaf's bad out of hell, you know, a few of those. But then there was also Darkness on the Edge of Town and Born to Run and The River. You know, those were all, you know, I was listening to those on vinyl when vinyl was still a thing the first time around. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, as a metalhead as a teenager and on up. And, and I, and I still am really. Um, but, uh, there's a lot that's, uh, my, my tastes are pretty broad. So, you know, yeah, I'm a big metalhead. I'm also a big deadhead. I love Bob Dylan. My my youngest daughter's named Dylan after Bob Dylan. Um, you know, so the tastes are pretty wide ranging, but the one really constant has always, always been Bruce. You know, um, it went to my first, I, I can recall listening to like, there's this sense of, uh, you know, nostalgia. If I smell say lemon pledge, while the video anthology is playing and it's like a Saturday when I was, you know, eight years old or whatever, <laughs> um, going way, way back. So that was what the house was full of was like, you know, we had the, we had the box set, the 75 to 85 box set, uh, that was on a lot and the video anthology when it was still 78 to 88 before they updated it for 2000. Um, was what played a lot around the house. And then the Chimes of Freedom EP, we had that on cassette. I remember playing all the time. So I, you know, I asked and, um, I remember, you know, like one of the questions I usually ask is, you know, what is your earliest remember? When did you discover Bruce? And what about him spoke to you? But it sounds like this is, that's asking, like, when did you first realize your parents used Tide laundry soap, right? It's just there. Right. It's, it's always my life, always. But, you know, it, it's more than that because, look, I mean, there's lots of stuff. I mean, it could be the Tide. Well, Tide doesn't mean anything to me, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it's, it's really the, the, the presence that's been there and the moments of, uh, of my life that, that, that Bruce's music has been there for, you know, uh, where, you know, births and deaths and weddings and funerals and, uh, and, and, rites of passage and coming of age. I mean, there's just, there's moments that go, I, I feel like I was learning a roadmap for how to be an adult, even as a little kid. And I'd go like, there were things that sounded so poetic to me on say the tunnel of love album. Hell did I know about what any of that was about when I first heard that, you know, but I lived it many years later and it served me well, you know, even it, it served me well in a, in as a young man and as a young father and uh and then uh, you know I'd, I'd been through a divorce and i'd been i'd felt some of those feelings that bruce didn't know he was writing about at the time he wrote about them um 
but you connect with this this thing that's universal. That's been really the thing about Bruce and and his music is that he's not he's never been supposed to be perfect. It's that he lets you in on figuring it all out as he went. So Justin and I don't know if you've thought about this and but is there a moment where Bruce became more than what your parents listened to um, and he became yours. Like it, his music became not just something in the family, but a personal connection to you the same way it sounds like metal was or Dylan was or the Grateful Dead or this other thing. It Can you think of that moment? I, I can think of that period, which would have been yeah, probably sure. really – Lessons. You know, I mean, I don't have one specific aha moment, but it would have been early adolescence, junior high, you know, maybe 12, 13, 14 in those, those years, those years. Yeah. Because that would have been around the time where my knowledge started to surpass, um, surpass theirs of Bruce. You know, it wasn't just hearing what was on in the background. It was buying the, the, the CDs at that point, uh, yeah. myself. And so now, like, for instance, Let's take like the first two albums. Well, they weren't really around. My mother, I, I, I would imagine there's songs on those two records that, that she still probably doesn't really know, you know? Right. But, but I bought those and I, and I was, and I was exploring what was on those, you know, incident on 57th street and these, these symphonies of, of, of poetry that, that were not part of my, you know, very early years. And I was discovering those on my own for the first time, as well as rehearing some of the stuff I knew with a new set of ears, you know, um, the the river, the, you know, I'd always known the river, but all of a sudden these songs about, uh, you know, about men and women, it's funny, you know, at 14, you think, you know, a lot about that, right? You think you're worldly, you're not, but you, you want to uh, adapt. And especially if you're, particularly pretentious teenager as uh, as I could be or at least precocious and uh, fancied yourself a bit of a poet there was a personal connection now almost as if he was writing songs that applied to if not my real life what I wanted my life to be and not just you know music that that spoke to my soul on a guttural level but now on an intellectual level also Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stephanie Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. You know, Justin, I... I love the fact that you mentioned Tunnel of Love when you were younger. Um, I often say that I think you have to have your heart broken a couple of times or have been in a long relationship to connect with, you know, a lot of the themes of Tunnel of Love, though. And then every time I say that, I find a 19 year old that says that's my favorite album, right? So I'm like, okay, maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So we've already talked about you going to the show and bringing the, you know, the family. John Hyatt, take a drink. I, I, I like to say, and I, I always say that the amount of times you've seen Bruce live is not a fair barometer of how big a fan you are. There are people that have never seen him that are huge fans. There are people that, you know, have seen him, you know, a couple of dozen times that are just casual fans. But for the record, do you count? And if so, how many? I, uh, I, I remember the years and then whenever I rattle them off, that's how I get the number. Okay. Okay. So I see that the, my first show was in 92 with the other band, which mm-hmm. criminally underrated, by the way. I mean, the, yeah. the, not, maybe not the albums. Lucky Town is great. I think Lucky Town's uh, underrated. Human right. Touch is, 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 I, I would but think. But it is, yes. Yeah, right. It's the weakest link in the catalog, I would argue, yeah, but, but uh, has its moments. Gloria's yeah. eyes. Um, <laughs> but you know, you are not, not to interrupt you, but you are yeah. not the first person that has said that their first show was with the other band and they usually almost say, and that is an underrated band. Almost everyone that tells me that was the first band they heard live. And I think part of that's the connection of Bruce's electricity. But when I hear the archives, when I see like, MTV plugged, you know, it was a good band. It wasn't the East Street band, but it was a darn good band. It wasn't, but what it was was sort of a prototype of what the East Street band around 2012 was, which was this, there, there was the really that, that soul with the backup singers and there was, it breathed some, some of the versions of East Street songs done on that tour are in contention for some of the best versions of them. The, The way darkness sounded on that tour is just stunning and it really came to really crystallization 
you know, 20 years later in 2012 when yeah. they were doing the same type of thing with E Street. But it was uh, it was laying the groundwork for something really, really special. And and also that was a tour. Uh, well, I mean, I'll go back. I'll tell you all the tours that I, that I went to. I, I will finish that answer. Okay. But uh, the observation was that I was going to make was that Bruce has always been, I think, at his best when he's got a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. And in 92, okay. he had something to prove. You know, he was going to you're going to break up E Street and come out with a band that's another rock band so there's a lot of this kind of so you know you're gonna do e street without e street what's the point of this you know yeah. so he had to come out and you know he played close to five hours that first show yeah. <laughs> and just left it all out there and and so then my next tour would have been in 96 the uh, on the the joad tour and uh and that was really special because that was in Youngstown that I saw him. So this was the one time that because the because of the song Rain in the city had played a really small venue in Youngstown, in downtown Youngstown called Stambaugh Auditorium. And um, these were, you know, so this is 1996. Actually, when we were getting the tickets, it was still 95. So this is a different media landscape. You know, this is not, you know, this is, there's no internet and there's no, you know, this, this network of finding things out. There was an evening edition of the newspaper that announced that it was going to be Stambaugh and that ticket sale info would be coming soon. Okay. And my mother calls the venue and says, well, what do you know? And they said, right now. They're going on sale right now. <laughs> okay. I have money in my wallet from Christmas still. I throw it to her across the kitchen. She runs out the door. She comes back. She goes, you aren't going to believe this, but we're in the fourth row. And it's the only time I've ever had really good seats for Bruce. <laughs> but, um, but we were in the fourth row for that show. Now, again, you talk about having something to prove and something to to really ha- ask the people that follow you to to sort of swallow a bigger pill here. This is a Bruce show where you've got to sit down and be quiet and let this speak for itself and and really l- let the the material in and and it'll be a deeply rewarding experience. And it might have been one of the best show. It might have been the best show I've ever seen. You know, no band at all. Just the guitar and the harmonica, but you know he spoke and he connected with the crowd. And uh, aside from one guy who wouldn't stop yelling Atlantic City from <laughs> from a balcony, and ended up get I'll never forget Bruce saying, um, "He goes, uh, he goes, look, I understand. You know, you're you're having a good time, and and this is just really not that kind of show. So, like, you know, shut up, asshole." <laughs> And he didn't, and he ended up having to, to having to leave. But then, you know, puts E Street back together. So then, ninety nine and two thousand, and uh, this is a new audience. This is as well as the old audience. This is uh, this is Stevie and Nils together. This is a this is a beefed up new E Street, and uh, and so of course this is a whole other thing to to prove, which is this is not a nostalgia act. This is. You know, you you remember the the 
booklets for that tour. You know, this is a rebirth and a rededication of our band. Well, people had to buy into that, and he made you buy into that. This was not a greatest hits show by any means. And I remember um, that tour, this is still in the days of standing in line for tickets. And, And so this was the first time I was ever angry about Bruce tickets, and it was through no fault of of anybody's other than dumb luck. Waited in line from about four in the morning, then they did it by lottery, and so we didn't, We our number was so high that had he not added a second Cleveland show, we wouldn't have gotten tickets at all. But that was when I learned that if there's a night two, night two's the one you want to be at, because now, you know, like, we're going to, if you've seen this already, we're going to do something completely different open the show with Don't Look Back, close the show. That tour, they were closing every show with Ramrod. When he comes back out and I realize it's not going to be Ramrod because he's holding an acoustic guitar. Yeah. So what's it going to be? What's, what, what's he going to pull out here? That's, it's gotta, this is going to be something magical. I can't imagine what it is, right? And he starts playing and no one can really quite tell what it's going to be. And then he starts singing... Madman drummers, bummers, and Indians in the summer with a teenage diplomat. Oh, oh, you know, like, he was palpable. Like, is he doing Blinded by the Light? And he was, you know. <laughs> Just, it was, it, it was unbelievable. <laughs> Madman drummers, bummers, and Indians in the summer with a teenage diplomat. And uh, another memory I have from that show was that my cousin, who I grew up with, that we, you know, are, you know, my my one of my other kids is named after him, and he's really a dyed in the wool metalhead more so than me. And and the more extreme, the better. And he had no interest in Bruce, but I said, okay, I I, I have this belief that if I could bring you to a show, you will walk out a fan, and I don't care what your musical background is. So I bought his ticket. And he comes with me, and um, about midway through the show, during Because the Night, I look over, and he's got tears streaming down his face. And I said, I, I got you. Like, I knew. I, that was it. That was the moment. And he bought his first Bruce album the next day. You know? It was great as hits, but he was still, he was in. <laughs> I, I, I love that story in so many ways. You know, my second show was Devils and Dust. And, uh, it's the only time where, um, I had bought a single ticket. I was at the very, I was on the lower level. Uh, there's the venue where it was at has a lower level and an upper level. I was at lower level, very back. This was the aisle to my right to the left was a pillar. It was one solo seat by itself. And someone came up to me and said, do you want a better seat? And I went, no, because I, I was thinking it was a scalper. And then it hit me. Wait a minute. You're in the building. This can't be a scalper. So I went back to the guy and he says, do you still have a ticket? Oh, yeah. So I ended up being like fourth or fifth row, you know, that they moved me up. And that's the best I've ever had, you know, and and uh, for a second show and to hear him. And, yeah, that same thing, right, where he's like, please don't please don't clap along. My timing is, you know, not very good. Uh, It's good. I. I love your theory about Bruce having something to prove. That is, I, I've never heard that before, but I like that theory. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at like, and, 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 okay, so then take, you know, well, okay, one of the best shows with E Street that I've seen would have been on the Wrecking Ball Tour. Yeah. Can you take the E Street band out 
not only without Danny, but without Clarence. How can that still be East Street? Now, there's never been more to prove. And he just laid it all on the line with the whole, you know, if they're, if, if we're here and you're here, then they're here. Yeah. And you raise this thing up to another level. And maybe the most I've ever seen him have to prove, and he proved it. He proved it again. Yeah. Um, and he does this over and over again. And so, um, so, I mean, to finish, I also saw him on the Rising Tour. I saw him on Devils and Dust. Seeger Sessions is another one where having something to prove, I'm, you know, okay, we're going to put it, we're going to put together a band. It's going to fill the stage with people. It's going to be bigger than the E Street Band in numbers. And we're going to play hundred year old folk songs. Was oh, that all it's going to be? No, no, no. We're going to, we're going to do Bruce songs too, but we're going to play them. Like they're hundred year old folk songs. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we're not going to play as big of venues, but buy into it. You will be rewarded. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, did you, did you see anything on the Seeger sessions tour? You got any of those shows? So, so it wasn't coming close to Dallas. Okay. And I did not like the album. You know, I didn't like the CD and, and I, I now know why. Why is because he, I knew those songs from when my father sang them and we uh-huh. sang them in kindergarten and he didn't sing them the way my dad sang them. So Froggy Winnie Corton did not sound right because, you know, it's the way. Gotta rehearse my song. <laughs> Whoa. That's kind of pretty before it gets started, ain't it? Oh, Froggy Money Corton, he did ride Crambo. Froggy Money Corton, he did ride Crambo. Froggy Money Corton, he did ride a sword and a pick and a revolver by his side, Crambo. Crambo killed fla la ra ra ro 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 Slop do yellow bug too large too large That's a hard part right in there, and then that's you. Crambo killed a la ra ro flop do yellow bug too large did he cover up top bottom it Crambo Aliole And the yodel goes right in there somewhere, but it's a little too high for me. Oh, where will the wedding supper be, Crambo? Where will the wedding supper be, Crambo? Where will the wedding supper be? Way down yonder in a hickory nut, in a hickory nut, in a wool, in a cotton wool, in a eucalyptus tree, Crambo. Crambo killed la 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 that's that hard part again, right in there. Flop a doodle yellow bug, too long as it didn't come around top bottom it, Crambo. You got a guitar string on you in there, nephew? So I didn't go, and my buddy Sam, who is my Springsteen brother, uh, you know, just, we used to work together and we've gone to multiple shows together. You know, he said it was as close to a religious experience as he's ever had, the Seeger Band. Yeah. And so now yeah. then I regret that. I regret that. And, you know, then when I bought the Dublin DVD, mm-hmm. I went, oh, well, look what I missed out. In fact, if I have any complaint about the Western Stars film, 
is I would have loved for him to pick three or four appropriate E Street songs and had them band do them the way they did the Seeger sessions. I mean, I love Ronesite Rhinestone Cowboy, and I think in another in another era that would have been a top forty country song. I think country yeah. radio would have played it, but that's not going to happen in modern life, right? So no, but I, 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 that is a regret that I did not go and try to see that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was exactly that. It was this, you, you go in a little skeptical. You right. Know, and I did like, I did like the album, but, um, it took a minute, you know, you had to digest it a little bit before I came around to it. Yeah. But I did not know what to expect. With the live experience, very early on in the evening, you go, okay, any semblance of trying to look cool is out the window. We're not, there's no cool yeah. tonight. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, just give yourself over to it. And it really was. And I think every Bruce show is like a religious experience, but this was another type of one. Yeah. He found a new way to take us to that, to that level. Yeah. And, uh, and so then again on the, the song again on the, the magic tour, which actually was the one that, um, I did that was probably the, the one I liked the least. I, and I love the album. I think the energy didn't feel like it was there. And in retrospect, I think it's because both Danny and Clarence, this was the last time we were right, going to see. They were sick. Yeah. They were sick. And it just yeah. wasn't like the set list was great. The band sounded great, but something felt. Yeah. Sure. Mimic. That makes sense. And then again, and you know, Wrecking Ball, and then twice on the River Tour, and now we'll be going, you know, tomorrow night, and then again in uh, in September to Pittsburgh. So whatever, I wasn't counting as I went, but it's I think okay. that, did well, you like did you go to Broadway? Did not, did not. Um, that uh, would have been a uh, financial commitment that uh, <laughs> I would have had to with skip with, with that many kids. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I would have loved to, but yeah, there was just no way that I could have done that. I, I actually just today, um, was, uh, you know, I, I was telling you before we, we started that I was speaking to some, uh, law students at Case Western Reserve today and the, and the yeah. one that invited me, he had gone to Broadway and, uh, and I was very envious. And actually, if I could for a minute, I want to show you Thanks. the thing that, because it's the coolest thing in the world. This is, so this is a shout out to the law students at Case Western Reserve who gave me this mug, and I don't know if you can see that, but it says, you've just seen the legendary Jay Breen Mitchell. <laughs> and, and there's Bruce's face. And uh, it was my, the coolest thing anybody's given me for speaking to anybody. <laughs> that is very cool. Um, I, um, If you listen to the podcast all the way through, I do a little bit of that. You've just heard the, and I do a riff on that about the podcast, uh, in honor of that. That is very cool. That's, that's, that is very, <laughs> very cool. I love, like, I thought the river tour, I saw, ended up seeing four shows on the new river tour and they sounded great. And, uh, what I always think is funny is if you have the core band, you know, now that we've lost Clarence and Danny, but you still, you have Susie, you have Jake, you have Niels and little Steven, you know, you still have what, nine or 10 people on stage. And, you know, and, and that's the slim down version of the East Street Band <laughs> versus the orchestra, like at Wrecking Ball and what we're getting this year. One of the things I thought of too, 
that when I bought the no nukes, you know, movie, yeah. I was like, look how few people are on stage. <laughs> you know, there's just Bruce and Steven and, and Gary playing the guitars. I mean, you know, it's just, it's very different how it's expanded. So, yeah, but it's yeah. always layers of something to it. I mean, there's yes. no, there's nothing stale. The thing that strikes me about this tour from what, you know, I've just watched, you know, videos on YouTube is, you know, okay, they look older now. Yeah. yeah. They're guys seventies and eventually that is going to catch up, but I just can't believe how good they sound. And that's including his voice. You know, yeah. I am a little bit of a singer. Voices are yeah. really temperamental. Yeah. And, uh, and here's this guy just taking you on this soaring emotional journey. And, uh, and it just, he doesn't, not only does he not lose a step, but it, it really kind of gains because he lets the, uh, as he would, you know, as, as referred to it before, as sort of letting the time in, right? Well, it does yeah. it with the material. Mm-hmm. And so this one that I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of interested, uh, about, and, and I've seen a lot of people maybe grumble. Uh, they grumble about a lot. And look, I grumbled over the ticket thing too, but I'm over it. The thing people are grumbling about now is the, the more static set list. But you know, like we talked about the Joe shows or the devils and dust shows where there was a thing to buy into that was different. And the Seeger sessions thing where this was something different to buy into. Well, this is a cohesive story. This is not a grab bag like other tours have been. This is, you know, Bruce has shown you how to be young and romantic and he's shown you how to wrestle with being an adult and he's shown you how to screw that up along the way. He's been the voice of the downtrodden in different periods. And this tour seems to be about showing you how to come to grips with those those later chapters in your life. I mean, you know, it's, it's not a, not an overly morbid thing to say that death is a much larger theme in the recent work. And, uh, that's, that's a thing that we, we all think about more the older we get and we'll always have to grapple with that. And so this is Bruce showing you how he grapples with that. And that's universal. That's universal. Look, the fact is, the man just sold his catalog for half a billion dollars. There's not necessarily a lot that he can write about that he can relate to a large audience about anymore. You know, we don't have multi-hundred million dollar fortunes or, you know, Olympic equestrian children and things like that. There is yeah. a, a chasm there. Yeah. And that's okay. You're doing a podcast. Univer- oh, go ahead. Say that again. He's found what's universal as he's always done. And he's showing you how to deal with those later chapters in life. And so that does require a more cohesive story, a more cohesive theme. And that's what I think this tour is, is about. And, uh, man, I, I can, I've cried at every show I've ever been to, but I I don't know that I'm going to have a dry eye at all tomorrow night. Well, first off, Justin, thank you for saying that you, you've, I've had other people share that and I've shared that, that he's telling a story. Little Steven is saying that on Twitter. You know, he said that, but right. I, I think you, 
that is the first time I've I've heard you kind of talk about someone talk about that with the different how he's told us how to deal with life. <laughs> this part has been edited. <laughs> You'll never know what was actually here. Yeah, the joke I was going to make is right. Like we don't have a half a billion dollars. You're podcasting with a 63 year old white guy from Texas. He podcasts with a former president of the United States. <laughs> Right. Right. Uh, you know, he goes on double dates with Tom Hanks and, uh, you know, uh, why can I not think of Rita? Will. Yeah. Rita. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. And, and I am, I, I do get frustrated when I see people post, you know, well, hey, man, he's, he sold us a bill of goods. He's always changed the set listing around. And now I've bought multiple shows, tickets, and now I'm going to have to hear the same thing over and over again. And, you know, I got a little mad and I said, okay, um, I went to four shows in the river tour and was never bored once. Right. I went, I've seen three shows on this tour. I wasn't bored once. Every time I watch Casablanca, I'm not bored. Every time I watch, you know, The Godfather, I'm not bored. Every time I watch Shawshank Redemption, I'm not bored. I, I, you know, if if you've seen the show and you still aren't emotionally touched, now, you know, um, I heard – on February 9th that my brother was going into hospice and was going to die. Oh. Yeah. And so I was at the show February 10th. And when he's doing, you know, that last song. And then on yeah. Monday, February 13th, my dad, my brother died. And then I was in Houston February 14th. So it's there, right? Yeah. It's there. And, and I thought at the river tour, that they played with such an intensity and and such a joy that I felt it was we had lost Bowie, we had lost Prince, we had lost, you know, um Glenn Fry. And you're like, the road in front of us is shorter than the road behind us. How many more times are we gonna have this chance to play together? And I'm gonna, you know, we've lost Clarence, we've lost Danny. We're going to embrace everything about this, right? Yeah. And remember, 2016 was the tour that wasn't supposed to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Because originally they were just going to do a few gigs to promote the box set and also kept growing and growing. So yeah, I, I appreciate your thoughts on that. Um, I cannot wait. I hope you, uh, email me or send me a voicemail, your thoughts after seeing it live. Um, I, I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to love it a lot. Yep. Oh, there's no question about yeah. it. I'm certain that I will. And, and uh, you know, the emotion of it is 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 always there. And so yeah. I, I th that's part of the that catharsis of it. Yes, you know. And 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 the fact that the like this is yes, the death runs through this or, or themes of mortality. But that's always been there in some form too. You know, my father died in 2006, and among my last words to him were to read him the lyrics to land of hope and dreams. And, uh, and we played that at, uh, at his funeral as we left the, the, like the cemetery. Um, 
And, uh, you know, when, and then so the next year when, uh, Magic came out and Terry's song was the hidden track and father was such a big Bruce fan that, uh, this side of the family, uh, would just, we, we don't ever call it Terry's song. We just call it Breen's song because my dad was Breen. And it was like as if every word of that was, could have been written for him, you know? and so that's always been there in some form. Yeah. When one of my best friends died a few years ago and I quoted Land of Hope and Dreams at his funeral, when my father died, I quoted Land of Hope and Dreams. And I'd always joke that one day in the future, hopefully in the far future, I would want my son to quote it at mine. And then – um then he wrote, I'll see you in my dreams. And now I'm like, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe we could do both. Right. You know, you find ways to work Bruce references in that are not even necessary. Like I worked in a reference to kingdom of days in my grandfather's eulogy. You know, I was talking about yeah. that been married to my grandmother for six decades. And, yeah. uh, and so I worked that in and I, I don't think anybody in the church knew what I was talking about, except for maybe my brother. That's awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. Um, you've gone to a lot of shows. Um, let's forget Western stars, letter to you, only the strong, but are there, uh, are there songs you're chasing? Are there songs that you haven't seen live that's still on your wish list? Oh, see, that's tough. Um, cause I've seen a lot of them. Like there were songs that I never thought I'd see that I have seen, you know, I mean, when he played incident on 57th street on the devils and dust tour, you could hear an audible gasp yeah. in the room that became more common in the set list a, a few years later. But, yeah. um, and of course on the river tour later, that got the- a lot, right? Like, like first off there's songs on the river. You didn't think you were getting and by getting that. You're like, okay, check, check, check. Right. And then, you know, opening those shows on the second half of the tour when they, when they stopped doing the whole album and yeah. they were, doing, you know, when they were opening with New York City Serenade, I never thought I'd see that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's tough to say whether there's any that I've never seen that I, that I really, really, really want to because I, I, I've seen a lot of them, but I don't see them that much, you know, right. for instance, you know, I've really only ever seen him play the river twice, believe it yeah. or not. Yeah. Um, and of course I've seen him play jungle land a million times and yet every time I'll cry. Like, I can't believe I'm, I'm hearing it. Yeah. So I don't know. That's tough. I don't, I, I, there was a long time where I could have rattled off a bunch of songs and now I'm going, I've seen them all. I just haven't seen them enough. (laughs) Well, that's like me. Like I saw girls in their summer clothes, but would love to see it again. Um, I, I saw Mary's place during the rising, I would love to see it again. Um, what, what I think is odd is the first seven shows I went to, he never played Thunder Road. Yeah. And then, you know, then the next, ever since then, the other 11, he's, or 12 that I've gone to, he's played it every night. The only song he's done every show, and I've done 19 shows, is The Rising. I, I, that is my yeah. one song that he has played on every show and I'm okay with that. I, I, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, yeah. I say that I don't love the rising as much as others do as an album. Yeah. I do. I, 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 it's not to take it away, take away right. from it. 
great album, but I think it's maybe the only one that really was for a moment. And so it has aged a bit. Everything else has been universal. Whereas that yeah, is like that's a moment to really appreciate that album. Sure. That's good. What haven't I asked you that I should have? Oh man. <laughs> I mean, I could do an hour on any given album. So we, sure. <laughs> well, you know, by the way, this is not a one and done. You know, Justin, you're always welcome every couple, you know, just every couple of months. Hey, Jesse, I've got to want to talk. So you're more than welcome to come back. Okay. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate it. Yeah. So well, uh, the reason, the reason I asked this question is, and I, this poor guy, I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. If he does, he must get very angry at me. We, we did the, we did the interview. It was over. I quit recording. And I, you know, I said, Hey, thanks. I had a great time. He goes, Oh, I did too. He said, next time I should tell you about the time I got drunk with the E Street band. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. You so, know, I never... yeah. So Justin, if you went drinking with the E Street band, now is the time to tell that story. I did not go drinking with the E Street band. I did meet Clarence one time. Okay. Tell me that story. So this was, uh, this was actually, this couldn't have been more inauspicious. Um, this was in probably 94, 95, like it was in post East, post original E Street. And he was, uh, he had put out an album called Peacemaker, which are you familiar with it? It's, yes. uh, so it's, uh, you know, this beautiful ambient sax album. It's not a rock and roll album at all. And, um, and so, you know, the, uh, the dimensions are smaller in that world. And so do you remember far more? Um, there was a far more was a, I don't know if it was national or if it was regional, but far more was a drugstore slash convenience store chain. And you could do every one of these places where you could do everything from rent videos to grocery shop. Sure. And they sold music. So Clarence went on a tour of, uh, far more's okay. and was signing the album. So we went to the far more in Austintown, Ohio, and we stood in line and I will never forget that, um, he stood up to shake my hand. Now here I am. I'm a kid, you know, I'm this yeah. kid. And, um, and I told him I loved him. And, and I just, it was such a gesture that he stood to shake my hand. It was almost regal. Mm-hmm. And he was so big. He was, you know, especially to me as a, you know, I was probably in the sixth grade at the time, you know, so I'm looking yeah. up at this towering, you know, just giant of a man who, thought enough of me that like that was worth standing up and 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 appreciating he really seemed to appreciate this brief interaction with this kid who's telling him he loves him and i was i've still got this signed copy of peacemaker that's up in my you know sits on a on a mantle in uh in my dining room and uh so not not more of an interaction than that but i i've taken it with me forever i just i i feel like it was such this Oh, this brush with something ethereal. He just had this aura about him. You know, some people just have that where like, you know, in the, in the Scorsese documentary about Bob Dylan and, uh, and one of the engineers goes, he's got the Holy Spirit about him. You can, anybody can see it. That's yeah. how it felt. Well, you know? it's right. It's the why Bruce said he's the biggest man you've ever seen. And it's, it's that spirit, that joy, you know, that was great. That's, that's wonderful. Any final thoughts before we get to the Mary question? No, let's do it. <laughs> All right. So if you're, if you are part of Justin's family 
or some of his friends and listening to this. Uh, he did you proud. You should congratulate him. But I end every episode with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong, who is a retired honors English teacher, when he was teaching, he would do this. He would take Thunder Road, break it apart as a poem, and teach it to his high school seniors. They would discuss the themes. They would talk about the word choices Bruce used. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? So, Justin, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So I, my answer is a definitive yes. Okay. But that's not necessarily the fairy tale ending that, uh, that it sounds like. Okay. I think Mary gets in the car, but much of the next several albums are detailing, you know, those moments when the promise is broken. Yes. That's the last moment that you can be young and romantic and idealistic before the world really starts to weigh on you. So yes. man gets in the car as a young woman and a young man with stars in their eyes, but Mary's the same woman who sits on the porch of her daddy's house one album later. This begins, this begins the journey that we go on. Everything else is just prelude. We go on a journey that is sometimes heartbreaking, but it's the stuff of life and it begins with when she absolutely does get in that car. Yeah, I I had a guest that mentioned that that said that the same port she danced across is the port she's sitting on in Racing in the Street. I don't know if you've heard this, but someone said that absolutely she gets in the car, similar to what you, and they said they go west and Moonlight Motel is she has passed and he's mourning her. Oh, Oh, wow. Well, I hadn't thought of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. I'm like, I don't know if that is the answer, but now it's going to be the answer, right? <laughs> it well, there can be many answers, though. This exactly. all this work exists in many universes. I mean, it may not be, quote unquote, the same character, but the guy yeah. in Moonlight Motel, he had a Mary, too. He did. He did. This is wonderful, sir. If someone wants to reach you, are, are you on social media at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on Facebook, Jay Breen Mitchell, and I'm on Twitter. Um, I believe it's at Jay Breen 21. Uh, you know what? Let me look. Okay. Cause, uh, I, <laughs> I don't use it that Cause you much. never tweet yourself. Yes. I really don't. I, I looked earlier cause I knew you'd ask. Yeah. It's, it's at Jay Breen 21 WFMJ, which is the station I'm the managing editor of, uh, here in Youngstown. W what? FMJ. Okay. Good. All right. Thank you so much for being on here. This is a, you are welcome anytime. Please, please let me know how the show goes. I'd love to hear your thoughts and uh, give your mom a hug during Thunder Road uh, because that's that's a pretty special moment, right? Absolutely. All right. Listeners, please uh, follow Jay, uh, Justin. Please uh, let me know what you think. For now, be kind, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. And we're out. Thank you, sir. Right. That was great. Hey, thank you. Some fresh salt moonstone was missing with his frozen zone to remind him of the feeling of romance. And he was blinded by the light. Cutting loose like a dish, another runner in the night. Blinded by the light. She got
got down, but she never got right. She's gonna make it all right. I want to give a major shout out to the patrons of this podcast. They kick in a few dollars every month to help me with podcast expenses. I want to send a special love and thank you to Mary, Chris, Anna, Terry, Dale, Steve, Stephen, Levi, Betsy, John, Bella, Crystal, Rob, Randy, Steve, Fernando, and Yetta. Thank you all so much for all you do to help me. You are my angels. That's that hard part again, right in there. Grab a flop and do the bug too long as it didn't come around top bottom and scramble. You got a guitar string on you in the nerve, nephew? There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand, but I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at setlustingbruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them. But if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. Do you know John Hyatt songs? Maybe you know them from being covered by Roseanne Cash, Three Dog Nine, The Neville Brothers, Amy Lou Harris, Eric Clapton, B.B. King, Jeff Healy, Bonnie Raitt, or literally hundreds of others. Maybe you have some of his albums on your shelf or in your cow-horned Cadillac right now. I'm Jesse Jackson. And I'm Sylvan Groff. And we're going to dive in from A to Z. Join us on the Perfectly Good Podcast. We're going to discuss all of your favorites and uncover some forgotten gems. From Aces Up Your Sleeve to Zero House. Rate and debate every John Hyatt song on the Perfectly Good Podcast. Have Have a a little little faith. faith. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.